And welcome back to Regionally Speaking. I'm your host, Dee Dodson. Focusing on public affairs that educate as well as inform viewers while also dedicating a safe space for delicate life stories, Lakeshore PBS will premiere the sixth season of the hit topics-based, nationally syndicated Whitney Reynolds show on Monday, October 16th at 6.30 p.m. Whitney Reynolds is the host of her own talk show, The Whitney Reynolds Show. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me in studio here at Lakeshore Public Media. Oh, Dee, it is such a joy. I love being across the table from you. I know our listeners are just hearing us, but Absolutely. I'm actually going to be face-to-face with you today. I know. We always chat on the phone, so I'm so excited to have you. Yes. So, Whitney, I want to start with this. You have been a part of the Lakeshore Public Media family since the early days of your show, right? Oh, yeah. So, let's start with this. Welcome home. Oh, I love it. You know, every time... I am here with the Lakeshore fam and I call it the Lakeshore fam because Mm -hmm. what y'all did for me Mm -hmm. over a decade ago Mm -hmm. was I had this idea. I was doing an around the town television show. Mm -hmm. We made the jump to PBS, but I really needed a station that would support me in the ways of raising me up, believing in the vision because I was, I was young at the time. I thought, how do we actually reach viewers with our hope? And that is where Lakeshore literally took me by the hand and said, Hey, we got you. And not just did y'all get me then, but two years ago when I went to national syndication y'all are my presenting station so you've been with me all along all the way that is so true so i'm so glad to have you home um and as you mentioned you are now a nationally syndicated show now you're here with me today to talk about your show but i want to before we talk about the sixth season i want to give my listening audience a look at you at your heart right yeah so i want to start with this the tagline for your show is your story matters every season it is your story matters Mm. so let's start with this why is that so important for you Well, that is a great question because I actually have recently been able to answer that because people for years have been asking, Whitney, why did you go so deep into topics? And so I recently did a TED Talk at Wrigley. It was in the Cubs Stadium. It was one of those moments of like kids were front row and I gave more insight to my story. It was, I used the acronym of HOPE on how as a journalist, I go into telling these stories, but the E for exposure Mm-hmm. in hope is actually where my personal one comes in. And my full story is not safe to be exposed because it involves more authors than just myself. And so I highly encourage listeners to go listen to that TED Talk if you haven't. We're approaching 100,000. It came out two weeks ago. So I love all those views. But that is really why I why I developed this. I was that eight-year-old kid in Oklahoma that was in the midst of a struggle and needed a show that would remind me, hey, you might be going through something tough right now, but there is a high road that this will lead you to. Absolutely. So again, we will talk about season six shortly that will premiere here on Lakeshore PBS. Oh yeah, premieres here first. Premieres here first and across PBS. But I want to shine a light on all of the great things that have come your way, including the TED Talk that you just mentioned that was at Wrigley Field. So you are a host extraordinaire and should I say a highly sought after host extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. You had your TED Talk. Yeah. You were the host of the PMA Awards. Yeah. And how exciting was that? That was so exciting, except I, I must be honest, okay. I ripped my skirt right before I went on stage. And so, oh my goodness, <laughs> it was one of those moments where I saw my husband's dedication to me as he's running to four hotels to find safety pins. Oh, wow. And everybody um, at NIDA was just calming me down. Mm-hmm. And then, believe it or not, I pulled off the whole Versace look because people are like, oh, I want to get that safety pin 
dress. And I'm like, well, one of a kind, one of a kind. So, you know, speaking about all of the great things that have come your way, I'm just interested to know how does it feel for you to be called to host this event, to be called to host your your own TED Talk, which is no small feat? How does it feel? It's an interesting feeling because mm-hmm. I have fought for this for so long that it's to have these things come mm-hmm. back to back is really a surreal feeling. But it's one of those things that I look back and I say, thank you, 23-year-old Whitney. Thank you for dreaming big. Thank you for saying I'll be my best yes when you get the nose because that's the thing is like on social media these days we're leading with our best foot people see oh this is the award they're getting they don't see how many things I've applied for and how many no's believe it or not when I first said I wanted to develop a show that we are now doing I was told it wasn't sexy enough that it wasn't by y'all by the way I was told by Mm -hmm. another another team that Mm -hmm. it wasn't sexy enough because people didn't they wanted the gossip they wanted that kind of talk show and I doubled down on our mission and then believe it or not you know COVID-19 happened and we needed hope more than ever in that moment and we had been producing this way before that and so that's when everything really blossomed for our show. So Whitney before we started our conversation I told you I wanted to ask you how you juggle it all. You are a wife, a daughter, a mother, friend to too many, the hostess with the mostest, (laughs) host of your own talk show that bears your own name the executive producer of the talk show that bears your own name. Wait, I should I should also add Emmy-nominated oh. talk show that bears your own name. And I'm just curious, and I know our listeners are curious as well, how do you juggle it all? Well, it depends who you ask, because I'm sure my neighbors have a whole different story. Okay. Because I am one of those people that I, in every title I hold, I really want to do well at. And my most important title is mom. And that is something that as my kids are now in second grade, which feels Unreal! Wow. I know. In second grade, I feel, I feel like I was I just pregnant. I, I know. I know. I gotta quit making excuses about. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, I just had twins. I mean, they're now seven. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll quit that excuse. Mm-hmm. But it's it's been a learning curve, and it's been a really beautiful learning curve. But at times, it's very challenging mm-hmm. because not only am I a mom, but I do own the show. Right. And we made some big moves this last year. We moved into our own studio, Cine City, which I'm so grateful for, which is in North Lawndale. So now, of course, I can't be in an area and not double down on the area. So now North right. Lawndale's getting more wit than ever. I just Great. joined the Friends of North Lawndale Prep Academy on their board. And oh, so right. that's, that's, I mean. So you've just added another. I did. And you know what though, but this is a prime example of joining the Friends of. Mm-hmm. I stepped down from something else. So sometimes there are seasons, folks. And that's okay. what I'm learning is like, mm-hmm. I can't keep joining all these things mm-hmm. and just adding more and more and more. Sometimes right. you have to really decide where is my heart at? Right. Where is my passion at? And the show, you know, I get asked all the time about the show. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do like long-term? I am doing it. I want to be the household name of hope. When people say right. I want to turn on life-changing television, I want to be that for people. Right. And so for me, it's about growing that every season. Mm-hmm. But then the things I'm giving my heart to, whether it's a board or my church or my kids, mm-hmm. my kids are my number one, right. um, making sure I'm making the right space for those. You know what? I want to put a pin in because I'm glad that you shared making decisions. Say no. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I am an advocate for no is a complete sentence. Oh, yeah. But it's so hard for so many people, especially us 
as women to say no because we don't want to be looked at as, oh, she can't handle it all. She can't lean in. It is. It's so true. And you know, it's interesting. I'm up for this award in New York the night before the Emmys and I'm flying out. The award shows in Times Square. But that award is for equality and pay for women. And that is an interesting award because that is a time I had to dig my heels in. And as women, I did notice we get treated slightly different sometimes. And so whether it's the no that we're like, oh, I don't want to disappoint. Right. Or it's that I won't accept that because, oh, now I might be too emotional. Right. Women are doing it all. So for all my women listeners out there. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it. And also just understanding that listen to your heart because as women, I and men have a heart too, but Mm -hmm. our compass, my compass is very, very, very strong Mm -hmm. and it steers me right, but I have to listen to it. That is vulnerable to listen. That is awesome. I think that that is going to be great for a listening audience to hear, right? So Whitney, season six kicks off Monday, October 16th at 6.30 p.m. on Lakeshore PBS. And I must say, I took a look at the description of all of the shows. And for me, this looks like this is your best season yet, which says a lot considering your body of work, right? Mm. Your work is so moving, so inspiring, so uplifting. The theme for this season is no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. Your story matters, right? So let's share with our listening audience a bit about what they can expect this season, including with you coming out the gate with episode one with, I think, think that I saw Hollywood legend Robert De Niro, correct? Oh yeah, he is, you know, that is quite the show because not only do we have Robert De Niro, which it was so funny, the night that I interviewed him was the night before he announced that they were having a baby and he is my my favorite father in so many movies (laughs) that I just say, hey daddy, well he about fell over. I don't, I don't know if he said, how did you know? (laughs) Am I glowing? But in hindsight, the next day I just couldn't stop laughing because I was, I had no mm-hmm. idea, of course, but no wonder I got that look I did now because right. then big news was coming out. Right. But it was, he does play so many of my favorite fathers in different shows and has mm-hmm. been an icon for me mm-hmm. whenever it comes to watching movies and how they play out and how you bring a comedy to life. Mm-hmm. But what I love about our show is we're not interviewing him to be Robert De Niro. We're right. interviewing him about his story. So no matter who it is, they all have a story and then we couple it with a topic. So something to celebrate is an amazing show to kick off. Not only are we celebrating being in our new studio, but we also have Robert De Niro, as you mentioned, but we have a story from Oklahoma. We have so many guests flying in from all different states, which I just love. And this guest and his dad flew in and he is a walking miracle. He was left for dead on the side of the highway after being wow. after being in a major, major accident. Oh, wow. And I, I don't want to give too much away. And right. I say that every season because I want people to watch. Right. But, but his story... Just get ready. Just get ready for it because that is a celebration in itself and what he's accomplishing and how he's speaking life into what, when people feel like what might be over. No, he is a testament to it's not over. It's not over. And miracles do exist here on earth. And he is proof of that. This season, we also have Jessica Buchanan, who some people might remember her name being on the headlines. It was a while back. She was captured by Somalian pirates and rescued by the Navy SEALs. Yes. Yes. She 
is another person that as wow. I was talking with her, because, you know, her story has been told on so many different platforms, you know, Oprah, 60 Minutes, all, all amazing stories. But we're In like, how do, how do we go at that and really explain what she's doing now? She's not just the girl that was taken by Small and Pirates. She is Jessica Buchanan who's changing women's life now. And so that's what we talk about. And we sit down with some of the people that are in her books. So it was, it's truly an amazing season. What you'll see different this season though, and I'm glad you kind of picked up on it, is as we've grown, I really am taking that muscle of executive producer and working it hard. And so I am not just talking and letting my team run it. I have put my love, heart, scripting, editing. Now I'm not really the one editing, but I am saying, no. no, take that cut this. And we're doing deeper storytelling in a new form than you've ever seen. We are going longer and deeper with stories. Mm-hmm. And we're still having those celebrities that come on for the same, for the same type topic, but you're going to see a different skill set come out. That is awesome. And you are doing editing. I'm sure those guys will tell you that as well. Well, it, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, my team always laughs when I'm like, take that cut. And they're like, okay, Whitney, you got to say it in the editing terms. <laughs> right. Yep. So Whitney, through the guests that have entrusted you to share their story, you discuss this season, autism, brain cancer, family tragedy, as mm-hmm. you, you alluded to, the foster care system, but from the lens of a woman who was affected directly mm-hmm. by the foster care system, being separated from her siblings, domestic violence, just to name a few of the topics um, that you'll be discussing uh, this season. And so again, it's so fitting for this season, no matter what you are going through, you are not alone. Your right. story matters, right? So what is your secret? I'm, I'm curious because you are sharing some traumatic stories. Mm-hmm. You share happy stories, but you are sharing traumatic stories and you're able to share these stories of the people who entrust you with dignity and grace. And at the same time, at the end of each interview, you leave not only the guest, but the viewer with hope. How do you do that? That is a great question as well, because I hosted, moderated this panel and I was mid sentence and I was telling people what I do. And one of the ladies on the panel said, well, that's really sad. And she said, because I was explaining some of the stories that we face. Mm -hmm. And then I politely said, can I finish? And I said, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't stop there. That is the thing with stories is we have delicate chapters. We have chapters of celebration, but that is what we remind people about when we go through these tough things. And you're right. I mean, it's one of those things when people trust me with them, sometimes people pitch us and they're not quite ready for our show. And it's not that we tie a perfect little happy bow on the end of the show, but we have to know how they got through it. And sometimes, even if they're in the midst of it, what is getting them through it? But that is the secret ingredient to the type of topics we tell, is how did you get to the other side? What were the lessons you learned? How did you prevail on your darkest day? And how are you taking others with you? And that's really what we love with the topics we share. It can be heavy. I tell my team this. You know, when we wrap a show, we'll talk about our feelings because sometimes it's tough stuff that we're covering. One of the ones was a few seasons ago and she's actually, I talk about her story in my Ted talk. It was Cassandra Tanner Miller and her, she was left for dead and her son was brutally murdered and he was just 18 months old. And you know, it was one of those very, very, very hard topics that I wanted to wait for another season. My kids were young. It hit just quite frankly, it hit too close to home. Right. But what was amazing is I knew the time was then to share it because she was trying to change laws. So sometimes it comes, and now the law has changed. And so there's always 
a rhyme and rhythm to why we are sharing those stories and they are delicate in nature Mm -hmm. but because she did share her story and I'm not just saying on my platform because she shared it on many other platforms but because she was bold with her story laws have changed so women in maybe similar positions or hopefully never in similar positions now have more protection that is that is so awesome so Whitney you are also unveiling your highly anticipated Whitney's wish list at a live event. <laughs> yes. Can you give us a few details? Yeah, so Whitney's wish list really came out of this combination of wanting to give people that follow me or want to know more about what we do, mm-hmm. why I love what I love. And so we created a curated wish list that now this is our third year doing it. And um, we tape with a live audience. And what I do love about this live audience, which unfortunately I would say go get your tickets, but they're gone. They're sold out. I know, they're gone. Uh, Whitney, all of your events sell out, by the way. I just want to throw that in there. All of your events sell out before I get tickets. You are so sweet. Well, I always got, I got you. I got you. You, You're front row, okay? Okay. So (laughs) Whitney's wish list is this event where people that sit in the audience get to see a different side of me. Mm -hmm. And that is that executive producer side. Whereas, yes, we have an audience coordinator. Last year, we had Oprah's former audience coordinator, the the Sally Lou Loveman. She is, she deserves a the in front because she is so fabulous. But they even saw me say, Sally Lou, we got to do it again. More energy, more energy. And they get to see the side of me even saying, cut. Or, okay, let's go back or where I've, you know, mess up a word. And I'm like, oh, you know, there we go. It's this right. live audience component that really elevates things. That, right. And we don't get to do it all the time because it is a lot, a lot of work. And so, yeah, it is actually coming out. We tape it in October, but it comes out December 2nd. Just in time for Christmas. You I am so excited it. for you because, oh. as you said, it's a sold-out event. It's highly, it's the hottest ticket in Chicago land, yeah. and everybody's excited about it. So I'm excited for you. Well, and I'll be at the Chris Kindle Market following the airing of it and get to oh. show people and let them touch and feel and see what made the list and why. Oh, that is going to be so exciting. I'm excited for you. Now, Whitney, we have just a few minutes left, and... I can say that I have seen you ask this of your guests time and time again. And so I want to turn this around on you. No matter what is happening in the world around us, you are what I would consider relentlessly positive, right? Mm -hmm. For anyone that may be viewing our conversation today, can you share any words of wisdom, any words of inspiration? Well, I am the person that's listening today. I am the woman that has highs and lows. I am the woman that's been told no. I am the woman that has experienced loss. But how am I relentlessly positive? Mm -hmm. Because I do what everybody should be doing, reminding themselves, you get one life here. You get one, literally today will not happen again. I know that sounds silly, but reminding yourself time is now. Be your best yes. When you're having a low moment, do what any good friend would do for you. Be that to yourself. Tell yourself you're going to be fine. You're going to get through it. And I know that sounds silly because we live in this day and age where there's just so many like positive things out there, but we have to, as humans, remind ourselves. And so many times, like think about it. If your neighbor said, I'm having a really bad day, what would we do? Well, most of us would say, oh my goodness, come here, give me a hug. That's true. We'll get you through this. Tell me what's going on. How can I support you? But how do we support ourselves? And it's really like affirmations. It's being positive. It's reminding yourself how far you've come because I'm the worst at that. If I think back to when I started my show, woo, I'm like, go (laughs) young wit. But we don't always do that. And so it's really important that we give ourselves a lot of grace and remind ourselves that the time is now. The time is today and we've been given it and make the most of it. 
That is awesome. And that was a reminder for myself to encourage myself. So I thank you for Mm -hmm. sharing that. Now, Whitney, season six of the highly acclaimed, nationally syndicated and Emmy nominated inspirational talk show that bears your name premieres again Monday, October 16th at 6.30 p.m. on Lakeshore PBS. And if viewers would like to get caught up on previous seasons, I understand they can find them on our website, Lakeshore Public Media. There's a lot of great content and awesome interviews, many of which are timeless. So just because I'm encouraging viewers to go back those conversations are timeless as we've learned in our conversation so Whitney it's always a pleasure to have you with me by phone or in studio I'm so excited now that we've done this in studio I feel like we have to do it every time because it is just a joy to sit across from you Mm -hmm. I do want to remind people yes the debut is the 16th we want you to tune in it does hit the PBS app 30 minutes after so in case you didn't DVR in case you didn't watch live which I highly encourage you to then go to the app and then also if you want mini doses because that's one thing that we've heard and we are doing now we listen to you folks we take those long interviews and cut them down to two minutes and you'll find those shorts on our instagram whitney underscore reynolds wow and whitney i will say this before i let you go i follow your instagram like it's the bible and i'm always so excited when i see you post yourself at this event or hosting the next event or even your cute little outfit at the pmas where you had the wardrobe (laughs) malfunction so keep continue to post on instagram continue to share because you are inspiring so many people thank you so much for joining us here on Lakeshore Public Media. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Lakeshore PBS is proud to serve as the presenting station of the Whitney Reynolds Show. The sixth season of the Whitney Reynolds Show will premiere Monday, October 16th at 6.30 p.m. on Lakeshore PBS, Channel 56 over the air, as well as on DirecTV, Dish Network, and AT&T U-verse. Comcast Xfinity viewers can find Lakeshore PBS on channel 17 or 21, while RCN viewers can tune in to channel 44. The live broadcast can also be streamed online at lakeshorepublicmedia.org or via the free PBS video app on popular digital platforms. You're listening to Regionally Speaking on listener-supported Lakeshore Public Media. Millions of people around the world rely on medicines made from donated plasma to treat their rare conditions. There are those with immune system, neurological, or bleeding disorders like hemophilia, which can often be life-threatening without the right treatment. For many of them, plasma-derived medicine is their only option. In addition to rare conditions, many people also benefit from plasma-derived therapies such as trauma patients, organ transplant recipients, and children with HIV. Joining us now to discuss the benefits of plasma donations is Anita Brickman, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Plasma Protein Therapeutics Association. Anita, thank you for joining us on Regionally Speaking. Oh, it is great to be joining you to talk about plasma. So many people know about donating blood, but they aren't aware that there are specific dedicated plasma collection centers. There are 17 of them in your listenership. And what the need is for plasma donation, plasma-derived therapies help people with a variety of conditions some rare diseases, such as primary immune deficiency, where people are born without a functioning immune system, or if they have a bleeding disorder like hemophilia or von Willebrand disease. These are inherited disorders, and 
these people are born without certain proteins or antibodies or clotting factors that they need, and they can get those from donated human plasma. And that's why I'm talking about the need for dedicated plasma donation because of the ongoing need of the patients we're talking about. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you share that. Now, uh, let me ask you something, Anita. What is plasma exactly? And why is it so useful in such a broad range of health conditions as you just shared a moment ago with us? Well, sure. Plasma is the clear straw-colored liquid portion of our blood. So it's what's left after you take out the red blood cells, the white blood cells, the platelets, other cells that are circulating in our blood. It's about 55% of human blood. So that's a lot. And as I mentioned, it contains some of these antibodies and proteins that are so important. And in a process called plasmapheresis, when a person donates, the plasma is actually taken out The red blood cells and other components are given back to the donor along with some saline to replenish the fluid. So it's a very unique donation process, but the medicines that result from plasma-derived therapies, um, it's amazing. Now, I have another question for you, Anita. How does plasma benefit some pregnant women? Oh, that's a great question. In certain cases, there is a condition called RH incompatibility. Well, that's a mouthful, but basically what it means is that there is a mismatch in the type of red blood cells between the mother and the fetus. So when there is this incompatibility, the mom's immune system can see the red blood cells of the fetus as foreign and develop antibodies which attack them. Clearly, this is not good for the unborn child. It can result in severe anemia as well as jaundice in a newborn. People are familiar with jaundice when a baby looks kind of yellow because of all the bilirubin. But one injection of a special immunoglobulin that comes from plasma can stop this, can neutralize this and make sure or help ensure that the fetus is as healthy as possible and therefore the newborn as well. So it is a really unique treatment that certain pregnant women need and plasma-derived medicines uh, deliver the solution. Full transparency, Anita. I am the mother of twins who went through a high-risk pregnancy and I was the recipient of the same plasma therapeutic treatments as you've just discussed. Wow. I I should say my twins are a living testimony to the benefits of it. So since I am so excited to have you here, I have to ask you, how can people donate plasma themselves? Absolutely. There is a website, donatingplasma.org, donatingplasma.org. And you can use that website to find a location near you. As I said, there are 17 in your listenership. And you go to this plasma collection center and go through a very similar screening process to donating blood. I will say it takes longer to donate plasma because of that plasmapheresis, that separation process I talked about. So that first visit with all the health screening and everything a person goes through can take about two hours and subsequent plasma donations take about 90 minutes. So because it takes longer than donating blood, plasma donors are compensated for their time and commitment. But the gift of the plasma um, is no less valuable. It is so important to help save and improve lives. Absolutely. Anita, before I let you go, I just need you to hit home this very fact. You talked about the time that it takes, the health screening that goes into donating plasma. But before I let you go, I need you to hit home why it is so important for everyone in our listening audience to consider donating plasma today. 
I think it's an issue of awareness. As we've talked about, there are so many conditions, including the one we talked about for pregnant moms. Plasma can be used in treatment of shock trauma, in burn cases. It can be a supportive treatment in cancer care. So aside from even the rare disease populations that rely on plasma-derived medicines, there are other applications. So when you donate plasma, you may be helping a friend, a neighbor, someone you don't even know in your community down the road. And so that is why we're trying to raise awareness of this. Plasma donation is important. Blood donation is important. But let's not forget that there is this option to donate plasma specifically and the medicines that result from that gift. Anita Brickman is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Plasma Protein Therapeutics Association. Anita, again, thank you so much for joining us on Regionally Speaking, sharing, sharing all of the information about the importance of plasma donations. Thank you for having me. International Plasma Awareness Week is held annually to raise global awareness about the uses of plasma in healthcare, ranging from everyday injuries to rare diseases. It also addresses why we need more plasma and how people can donate. The Plasma Protein Therapeutics Association is a global industry trade association representing the sector of manufacturers of plasma-derived and recombinant analog therapies, collectively known as plasma-derived therapies, and the collectors of source plasma used for fractionation. Millions of people use these therapies worldwide to treat a variety of diseases and serious medical conditions. The Plasma Protein Therapeutics Association also administers standards and programs, ensuring the quality and safety of plasma collection and manufacturing, protecting both donors and patients. You're listening to Regionally Speaking on listener-supported Lakeshore Public Media. The 13th annual Geary International Black Film Festival returns to Indiana University Northwest October 12th through October 15th, 2023. With over 50 films from five countries, including world premieres, panel discussions, filmmaker chats, parties, and a special tribute to Geary's own Dr. Bernard C. Watson. Additionally, another highlight of the weekend is the Animation Fellowship for Black Women and Girls world premiere of short films by the Gary International Black Film Festival Real Rundown Fellowship graduates who completed a six-section intensive with industry pros from Cartoon Network, Disney, and more. Joining me now to share more details about the weekend-long cultural event is Karen Toring, director of the Gary International Black Film Festival. Karen, thank you for joining us on Lakeshore Public Media. Thank you, Dee. Absolutely. So, Karen, each year I must say that I have the privilege to chat with you to get the details of what you have planned for the film festival that you founded. The festival, which presents films from independent filmmakers, it also features panel discussions, matinee sessions, screenings for middle and high school youth, and in-depth chats with filmmakers, industry professionals, and local community leaders. Now, before we take a peek at what you and your team have of dedicated volunteers, I should say, have planned for this awesome event, take a moment to share the genesis of this cultural event, if you will, as well as how it has grown over the years. Yeah, thank you. We started, uh, well, this is our 13th anniversary. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, just to give a little perspective, it kind of started in my dad's basement, a group of friends uh, who were thinking about, you know, um, just different, you know, kinds of cultural activities that were available in Gary at the time. And, you know, largely, you know, there are a lot of cultural events in the city, but there, there were none because Gary has no working cinemas. You know, there was there were none around film. And so that's kind of how it began. There were three of us in the basement, you know, just having a conversation. And now, uh, you know, even though we're still small, you know, we our team has grown, our commitment of our volunteers, our core team has grown. And it's a it's a testament to be able to say that you've worked with the same group of people for the last 12 years and, and you're still speaking, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love, uh, you know, from folks in the community to, to just add one more constellation, one more little cultural event to just make Gary a, a great place to live. Karen, so I asked you this question when we spoke this time last year, but I thought it was important enough for me to ask you this again. What does it mean to be an African-American woman carving out your own niche of planning and organizing a major film festival? And, And let me say this. The reason I bring this topic up again is because we all recognize that representation matters and that there are only a handful of festivals that have someone that looks like you, a woman, particularly an African-American woman with a seat at the table, let alone being at the helm of the festival, right? And, you know, there is, uh, I use this quote a lot of times uh, when we talk about issues around representation. And this quote is from Nicole Martin. She's at IU and down in Bloomington. But she says that there is a body of research and a term that is known as symbolic annihilation, which is the idea mm. that if you don't see people like you in the media that you consume, then you must somehow be unimportant. Right. Wow. And so we, you know, as you know, just consumers of media content, you know, we get media coming in from all of these different places and these different, you know, these different devices. But if you don't see yourself represented, then you don't matter. And so one of the things that we hope to do with the film festival, and I think we've been successful at this, Dee, is bringing out the stories of our people and our culture that make us multi-dimensional because people want to put us in these one-dimensional boxes like um you know uh you know we're either the gangster or we're the you know the the pimp or the whatever just go down the list of and and so these images and ideas of what blackness is has not only been put up on us you know by the mainstream media but it's in us this is who we this is how we describe ourselves and so one of the the things that you know film independent black film can do is give us more language to describe who we are right so through mm-hmm. these stories some of them are funny some of them are dramatic some of them are docu- you know documentaries which are basically facts 
about our our culture and who we are that give us more language to not only understand ourselves, but to describe ourselves to other people. And I cannot tell you there has not been a single year where people haven't come out and told us, that's my story. That's my family. That's my auntie. That's my uncle. That's my cousin. And the more we see ourselves Mm -hmm. reflected as multidimensional individuals, the more we hold our head up, the more we won't take, you know, foolishness Mm -hmm. about who we are from other people. So, Karen, you know, this year the film festival will host films from around the globe displaying that black diaspora that you're speaking of. Right. And it's not lost on me that the Mm -hmm. diversity of the film selected is an opportunity, as you have just shared, to showcase the complexity of the whole black experience. Right. That one dimensional changing the narrative of that one dimensional view that has been shown, as you just so eloquently unpacked for us right now. So when you and your team begin discussions, on what films will be a part of the festival, what do you look for? We, we look for, you know, it's, it's really kind of interesting. There's two things to this, Steve. Mm-hmm. One, we have now grown and evolved into uh, uh, a way of selecting our films that is community-driven. So, you know, the core team... Mm. Um, does not select the films. We have a group of people from across the country that basically review the films. And uh, we, we have this little thing that we call uh, You Be the Judge. And so we come together once a week. We talk about the films mm. that have been uh, submitted. And it's like, well, would you see this film again? How, you know, how has this film impacted you? And it is that group of people. Mm. Uh, some years it's, you know, five to seven. Some years it's like a dozen people from all walks of life. Some mm-hmm. in, some people in the industry, mm-hmm. some people, D, that live right down the street from you, probably, you know, uh, wow. come together right. and they. So this is a community-driven film festival and the films are basically selected by the community. So that, and people always ask us, well, what's the theme? <laughs> and I'm like, mm, the theme is black. Uh, you know, and that's <laughs> mm-hmm. probably the best descriptor that right. we can have. You know, so there there are some animated films in there in in the festival this year. Uh, there's some really powerful documentaries in there, mm-hmm. um, and there, there's some some love stories and some family stories and some stories about young people. But those are all selected by that committee. You know that that is awesome. This this notion of film lovers outside of your board who select the films because if they are buying into the films and they represent the complexity of the black experience, certainly everyone that will come and, and take part in the entire weekend, that they will find a film or many films that reflect what mm-hmm. they will enjoy. And so I think that that is an actually a quite interesting concept, but I love it. I, I, I don't know. Is this new, a new concept? Is this something that you have come up with or is this an industry standard? Well, we've, we've been doing it for, I would say the last four years, okay. pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. And part, it was, you know, it was part driven out of necessity because there are only a few of us. And if you all remember this little thing that Uh-oh. happened in 2020 <laughs> uh-huh. called the pandemic, right? Uh, you know, we uh, we had over a thousand films to review. And so <laughs> we, we were like, we're going to need help. 
Right. Now, our normal submissions are, you know, somewhere between 150 to 200 films that are submitted every year. And our team is small. You know, there are really only seven of us, and which would, if you did the math, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we'd have to, you know, watch multiple films. So it makes more sense from a practical standpoint to have more eyes on the film. And so when we, when we came to that decision, it was like, well, why aren't those eyes in the community? Why aren't those eyes, you know, the people that, you know, you might see in the grocery store Mm -hmm. or some of those eyes are people from Hollywood industry folks who, you know, know the industry from the inside out. And sometimes they even bring films to us. And so it it, it just it, it was practicality that turned into, you know, something more. And now literally the every year, you know, members of that group is like, when we going to start watching films right. again? Right. You know, so there's also community and, you know, just putting together the collection of films that we offer. Community and a sense of ownership, of a sense of them owning exactly. a piece of the And I think that is just awesome. I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, now, Karen, the 13th annual Gary International Black Film Festival returns to Indiana University with over 50 films from five countries, including world premieres, again, panel discussions, as I shared in my opening, uh, filmmaker chats, parties, and a special tribute to Gary's own Dr. Bernard C. Watson. So take a moment mm-hmm. just to get Give us a glimpse of what the audience can expect throughout this weekend. We're really excited about the tribute to Dr. Watson for a lot of different reasons. Not only his body of work that started in Gary and then grew to work, you know, across the country, you know, in in Pennsylvania and other cities where he did both, you know, cultural work and philanthropic work and was, you know, did education work when he was in Indiana. So he sort of represents, you know, all that Gary can be. And one of the things that I I remember saying about Dr. Watson and Charles Murray, who's also um, born and bred in Gary, and all of the Gary uh, connected filmmakers, Deion Taylor, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Sunday the 8th is Deion Taylor Day. So Deion Taylor will be in town. These are all people who, wherever they are in the world, they take Gary with them, right? So, you know, right. Dr. Watson is, mm-hmm. is one of Gary's own. He's a Roosevelt alumni. He's done amazing things wherever he was. And we wanted to make sure he's in his 90s. And we wanted to wow. make sure that he understood how Gary appreciates all that he's been able to accomplish. So on Sunday at the um, Arts and Sciences Building, at Indiana University Northwest, we are going to honor Dr. Watson. There's a documentary film about him. We'll be giving him a Lifetime Achievement Award, and we will get, be giving awards to other luminaries. And I really have to shout out Indiana University Northwest because as we've grown as a festival, they have been right alongside us, making sure that all of our needs are met. We started out 12 years ago with uh, just one venue right there at the Savannah Center. Mm-hmm. And now we've expanded to Hawthorne, to the Arts and Sciences Building. We're doing a drive-in in the parking lot. And, you know, everything that we have asked the university to do, they have stepped up and made it happen. And we're super grateful for their support. 
the weekend, again, October the 12th through October the 15th, is going to be packed with a lot of exciting activities, events, screenings, etc. But another thing that I did want to make certain that we highlighted was the the event at Brown Skin Coffee and Tea. Can you talk about that oh, pre-funk yeah, experience? Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's our first time. We don't know. We hope it's good. <laughs> you know, and that's the other thing that, you know, as the festival has grown, you know, we're producing events year round now. It's not just about the festival. So earlier this summer, we did this old, this throwback film series, you know, like uh, black exploitation films. And we did it in, in a variety of venues in Gary. And Brown Skin Coffee was one of those venues that we partnered with uh, to bring, I think it was, oh, I can't remember the film. It was Black Belt Jones, it was the karate film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had not only Brown Skin Coffee as a participant, but we also had a martial arts group that, you know, did martial arts. And so, you know, it was a value add. And so this Thursday, not not today, but a week from today, on Thursday, October the 12th, we'll, we'll kick off the festival at Brown Skin Coffee again. And we'll have some short films, some uh, Chicago filmmakers are coming over to present their short films. We'll have a DJ and just get into the festival, kick it off in a really good way you know, see old friends, talk to filmmakers, watch some films and get ready to just wrap ourselves in a big old cinema feast for the whole weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Karen, you know, as I'm listening to you share all of the exciting events, activities, pre-show activities, etc., that will highlight certainly filmmakers shine a wonderful light on the city of Gary, changing the narrative, if you will. And, and, I'm, and I say that when I reflect back on you discussing the honoree Dr. Watson and how the work that he does and Deion Taylor, the work that he does in Hollywood, how that changes the narrative on the city of Gary. But mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you this. For a lot of the entrants uh, for this film festival, or for some of them, this will be the first time that their body of work will be shown on this scale, this grand mm-hmm. scale, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. That has to be validation for them for the work that they have put in down through the years to get their production on the big screen. Would you agree? Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, that is why they do the work so that people can uh, embrace the work, reflect back to them on the work. So on on Friday night, that's opening night, we're in, instead of doing like last year, we did an incredible film with uh, Ann Gregory, who was a golfer. I don't know if you remember that film. Uh, and we had Miss Gregory, come, you know, uh, zoom in and talk to us. She's she's well up into her 80s, 90s. Um, but this year, uh, for opening night, we're going to do a sort of like a kaleidoscope of short films. And so all of those short filmmakers who never get that kind of exposure will be on hand to talk about their film and just feel, you know, the audience in a way that they, they have never felt before. They will also, on Saturday, we're doing the same thing. All day Saturday, there will be films and filmmakers on site to have a dialogue, a post-screening discussion with folks who have just seen their work. And for an odd, an artist, you know, that kind of reflection is, yeah. is irre- 
irreplaceable. You know, it is beyond measure to be able to be in the room with people who are actually consuming your art and reacting to it. And that's the, you know, that's the, to me, the special part about a film festival is that you give that immediate feedback to the filmmaker and encourage them to continue to producing work. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing like um, receiving feedback. And I'm just going to say this. There's nothing like receiving feedback from your black auntie. She will tell you the truth, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's so funny. We tell the filmmakers, this is a film festival produced by your aunties. Oh, yes, there's going to be a red carpet. (laughs) Yes, there's, you know, there's going to be, you know, the talk back. But this is much more of a grassroots community driven festival. And I want to make sure people understand that because the the first year uh, that we did the festival, people told us they didn't come to the opening night red carpet because they didn't feel like they had the right clothes and i was like oh no it's not that kind of red carpet y'all been watching too many hollywood red carpets this is a people's film festival for people to come see old friends talk to filmmakers so come as you are don't worry about all of the you know the lights the camera the action this is a very organic festival produced by your aunties Think of it like that. Like you go into your auntie's house and you're going to watch a whole bunch of films and your cousins, the filmmakers, are going to be there. Now, Karen, we have about a, a minute or so left together today. And I wanted to make certain that we got the proper information out, right? So the new model that has mm-hmm. been in place since that big word you mentioned a little earlier in our conversation, the pandemic, the festival will offer both virtual as well as unique in-person screenings. So can you provide mm-hmm. details on how to purchase tickets for the 13th annual Gary International Black Film Festival? You can get tickets for both the in-person and the virtual events online at Gary Black Film Fest. Org. I just wanted to pause there so people could take a minute and write it down. GaryBlackFilmFest.org. And for the in-person events, we'll always have tickets available at the door. So don't worry if you're not an online person, you can come and buy in-person tickets at the door. But all virtual tickets, you can only purchase online. And you have the option if you get a pass, a full festival pass, you can watch in-person and online films with that pass. And you can also buy a virtual only pass, which means you can sit at home, you know, all nice and cozy and watch all of the films that we have to offer. And I do want to let people know that there are a few films that you cannot see online, that you have to see in person. That's the request of the filmmaker. So the um, the one, I think it's on uh, Sunday at one o'clock. Don't, don't let me go to the website and make sure you get the time. But the name of the film is called King of Kings Chasing Edward Jones. And the reason I'm pulling that particular film out is because it's a, it's a film about uh, the, we used to call it policy when I was a little girl, but people know it as the numbers. Oh, and okay. they were the numbers king oh. in Chicago. Two black men wow. ran literally what we now know as the state lottery, but it was for, you know, for the community. Right. That film will not be a bit available online, but most everything else is. Karen Toring is the director of the Gary International Black Film Festival.
Karen, you know, I always enjoy spending time with you and I can just listen to you for hours because you are just mm-hmm. a wealth of knowledge about the film industry. I want to be clear that I point that out, even though you said that the genesis of this was your father's basement. But this is this is the work that you do in your adopted hometown in Seattle, correct? Yeah, I, I do not live every day in Gary, but just like Charles Murray, who's going to be there doing a panel on Saturday, and Dion Taylor, and Bernard Watson, and all of the Gary filmmakers. I think Tamika Soretti is going to be in town. Wherever we go, we take Gary with us. And, you know, and we we reflect Gary back on wherever we go. So, you know, this is not hard. You know, this is not hard for me. Well, you represent not only the city of Gary, but you represent Northwest Indiana well. And so we thank you so much for spending time with us today on Lakeshore Public Media. Thank you so much, Eve. Single tickets as well as all access passes are available now. For more information and to see the complete schedule of events, visit www.garyblackfilmfest.org. And that's it for Originally Speaking for this week. Thanks to our guests from the Gary International Black Film Festival, Karen Toring, and Whitney Reynolds herself, host of The Whitney Reynolds Show. And we'll be back with you next week with an all-new show.